You are listening to A Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. A Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What's up, guys? This is Coffee and Colin, where we just chat over coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Isaac. I am Noah Yero, and thank you so much. Sit back, enjoy, and come along for the ride. We're gone! <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? We are back. Another episode. And Isaac, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm a little hungry, though. Yeah. I mean... Hungry for the word. <laughs> Praise it's God. that lunchtime, baby. Isaac, who do we got today? Dude, we got it. We got a good friend, a good leader, good mentor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy dude. Really fast dude, too. Yeah. Um, McGarren Clouser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank dude, oh. it's good to have you back. <laughs> thank you. It's so good to be here. Yes, I don't sir. know if I'm that fast anymore, but <laughs> back in the good old days. <laughs> no, but dude, uh, for some of the people that maybe don't know you, um, give a little bit of a rundown of who you are. And what yeah. you're up to now. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, like you said, my name is McGarren Clouser. I actually, I graduated from Indiana Wesleyan in 2020. Uh, shout out COVID year. Hey. Went through all that. Had to switch to online classes Dang, through for- my senior year. I forgot that's when you were, yep. oh my goodness. And so actually gave me one of the best months on campus ever as we stayed and got ready to go home. But but yeah, so I, I actually finished with a general studies degree with a concentration in ministry hmm. after I switched my senior year for a lot of reasons, but it was really good. Super, super glad to spend three years in the ministry program. And and so, yeah, I, I am from Indiana, born and raised. And so after graduation, though, I, I uh, felt God call me to Circuit Riders, uh, an organization that I'm part of now. And so I moved out to California and I've been there hmm. for the past three years since graduating and um, get to come back to Iowa often and and just see all that God's doing here. And it's really cool to see uh, the stuff that he was doing in my life is continuing on through yeah. so many different people. That's so. that's dope. That's dope. Well, we're stoked to have you on. Yeah. Uh, and just to talk about what God has done and what he is doing. Um, and with that, I mean, the floor is yours. Just talk about, you know, when God first called you to ministry or even here at IWU, um, mm-hmm. and all that and how it's progressed to where you're at now with circuit riders. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I mean, even just like the wording of like the call to ministry takes me all the way back to like my very first class on campus. So I actually transferred in halfway through my freshman year. Um, so I mean, that's kind of where the call starts is I, I grew up in the church. I grew up um, being being a leader and, and knowing that I wanted to serve God and whatever that I did, but I didn't really know what that looked like, what that meant. I just knew I wanted to probably make a lot of money and, and have a lot of fun and <laughs> And ministry being sports, like I, I ran track here. I played basketball at the school I was at before. And so sports was everything to me. And so I just need to glorify God in that um, as the best that I could at the time. But when I, uh, if I trace back all the way back, like that class, the project that we do, I can think back to moments from like fifth grade and like seventh grade. And then like yeah. sophomore year of high school, like CDYC. Yes, good sir. Good old days. Me and Isaac <laughs> church camp back in the Dude, day. Dude, CDYC was amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can even think back to a moment where, um, one of the preachers, I don't know if you were there yet or not, but he said, like, would you raise your hands if you know you want to be a part of the church and serve in the church, but you want, like, you don't want to be like a pastor. And I was like, oh, I think that's what I want. Mm. So I, I knew I wanted to be in the church involved as much as I could. Um, but I, I didn't really think about being a pastor or doing ministry full time. I didn't know a lot about that until I got to trying my freshman year and just had to dive into the word myself. And so 
through that, the Lord just really opened my eyes and I was driving home one night and I just felt him just kind of speak to me and tell me that like he, that I've been trying to use his gifts and his talents that he's given me for my kingdom. Mm. And he gave them to me to build his kingdom. And that's what he wants me to do. And he wants to partner with me in that. And so I was like, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know how to go into ministry. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get down this road, but I just knew that's what God had given me them for. And I knew I wanted to do that. Um, and so I started searching all the local Christian colleges I could find and applying to them. And I was stuck out. I came on a visit and I just felt the Lord was so here and it was such a special place and going to transfer at the end of the year. And the advisor was like, no, you can come next semester. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's dive all in. Dang. All by the grace of God. I have no idea why mm. I said yes to that decision. I just knew that like I needed to essentially, all I needed to do the next step was study ministry. And so I mm. felt God my freshman year try and call me to ministry, I would say, for not just as something to be a part of my life, but what my life would be about. And so that's like my call to ministry. That's like what that project was all about. But Mm. since then, I would say it's just formed such a a deeper meaning to me to be called to ministry full time. Obviously, I would say that every Christian is called to ministry, right? But what does it mean for me to, to do it for my whole life is when I got here, I really thought the only option for being called to ministry essentially was being a youth pastor and then one day being a senior pastor, like <laughs> yeah. the classic steps, which are, which are amazing and great. And I, but that's all that I knew. That's all I'd seen growing up. That's all I really felt from the, um, from the different things that I was surrounded with. And so that's what I just, I just want, I knew I needed to do ministry. That's all the call was, was okay, build my kingdom. And I was like, okay, I have to be a youth pastor. And so that was great. That was the plan. But through classes here, professors here, friendships here and, and relationships here, I just, I, I kept down that path and I was excited for it. And then my junior year, I got in a group of guys that were so on fire for the Lord. And I kind of was just wrecked all over again with mm. a whole nother call that like, no, 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 your call for ministry isn't a voca- just a vocational call. It is a vocational call specific to, to mm. me, but it's also like, it, this is everything. Like my, I want my whole life to be about serving the Lord. And so whatever I can do, um, I want it to be like that. And I want to, and I, I want to do something something more than like i just had this desire to to do something different than what i had seen growing up and stuff like that like i still i mean i i still think eventually one day i, I do want to pastor a church and stuff like that and so obviously there's nothing kind of nothing more than that obviously but i just felt this this calling for god calling me to a deeper point of surrender because mm. i think i had found some more comfortability in and what being a youth pastor would look mm, like i yeah. knew where i would be i knew what like a salary I would get and stuff like that. And I knew the route and the road, but I felt God was calling me down more of like an unknown path, which was a little scary, but really fun diving down. And so from junior year on, that's actually where I was introduced to what I'm doing now, which is carry the love to earth and with circuit riders. And so when they came to campus my junior year, I was like, this is it. Like this, like, this is what, this is what it is. God, I felt like called me to that. And so I I ended up doing a two year training program with them that summer I really, really wanted to drop out after that because wow. um, you don't need a degree to do circuit riders and um, it, people do oh, it straight yeah. out of high school. And so I was like, dang, I really, this is it, God. Like, I really want to do this. But I felt like he was like, no, 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 no. Like, still trust in my timing. You're still meant to be at IWU. Like, you're still mm. meant to be on the track team. Like, you're, wow. you've got a lot going on here that I've given for you to continue to steward. And so if I would have left, it would have been, I would have seen that as a bad stewardship of what God had given me to steward. And so I, I came back. It was a, It was tough coming back. That would be. Um, yeah, <laughs> especially circuit riders out on Huntington Beach, California. Nice weather. <laughs> I'm coming back to Indiana a little fall, but I love Indiana. 
And the people here, the school here makes this so much, so worth every single thing you could do here. And so, but yeah, I just, I finished out, got my degree, switched it because I, I could save some money by switching my degree. Um, super nice. Saved some time by only taking two classes my senior year. Oh my days. Yeah. Right. And, and still run. And so, so, so blessed by the track team. So blessed by all the professors, Charlie, Dr. Morgan, Shammy, all my friends. And, and now since then I've kind of just been running and haven't looked back and I joined circuit riders right after graduation. I did summer ministry teams my last summer mm-hmm. though, and then got me prepared for this. And and moved out, did my training year there, and I've been on staff for about three years now. Mm. And yeah, it's just amazing that now I didn't even know this was an option. Like I didn't, yeah. I I thought the I thought the only way you could serve God full time was to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so my eyes have been so open to what it looks like to be called to ministry in so many deeper ways. And I mean, it, now it filters into. I was just talking to AJ about this the other day. It filters into the workplace. It filters into your family. It filters into your job and yeah. your 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 hobbies even and and what you do in your relationships. And so to be called to ministry, at, at first I thought it was like, okay, what, what's my job going to be? But now I realize like, okay, it's like, what's my life going to be? And so mm-hmm. since then, it's been really, really cool and a lot of fun. Wow. Super, super unknown a lot of times, but <laughs> that's kind of a, good, a fun place to be. That's sweet. That's sweet. Could you just, uh, maybe for the people listening, because you said, you know, you didn't know this was an option. Mm-hmm. Maybe take this time to like, kind of tell more about it in a yeah. sense. Like, I mean, quickly, so we can like stay yeah. on track with your story. But I don't want to miss an opportunity to let people know if if you don't feel like the Lord's really calling. He's calling you to ministry, but it doesn't look like the average yeah. Joe or like what it what you have seen growing yeah, up. Totally. Maybe give a little uh, synopsis of what Circuit Riders is. Yeah, because I'm I'm like totally intrigued by Circuit Riders uh-huh. just because it it's one of those things that seems like this far off idea that no one actually knows what circuit riders is. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, that's kind of relatable. Even being <laughs> in the organization, I feel that. Oh man. But, um, but yeah, super quick rundown. So YWAM is youth of the mission. If you've heard of that, that's a little more familiar to people in circuit riders. So circuit riders is a brand is a pretty brand new ministry in comparison to a lot. It's only about 11 years old. Um, started in 2012, I believe. And so, it's under the umbrella of YWAM, so it operates the same way. So it's a discipleship training school is one piece of it. And so to, but then you can join staff afterwards. And so it's this missions community, missions organization full of young people out in Huntington Beach, California, where you can come for an eight-month discipleship training school where you spend three months living in California in community housing. It's amazing. Um, you get make your best friends ever. You spend three to five hours a day just hearing teachings and sermons and, and practicing preaching or, or or media or music, whatever your gifts and talents are, and growing in that skill set. And then after that phase, that semester is done, you actually go on an outreach tour, um, mm. which we have multiple ones. We have Circuit Rider Youth Tour to high schools. We have Brave Love Women, which is a women's tour. And then we have Black Voices Tour, which is brand new. And so that's awesome. That goes like to HBCUs. And then we have Carry the Love Tour, which is the longest standing one, which goes to over 500 campuses across um, America and Europe. And wow. you go and you you put on worship nights, you host events, you preach the gospel, you train students to preach the gospel, you go out and preach the gospel with them, and you just get to see amazing things for about eight weeks. Um, and then after that, you can come on staff and be a part of developing all of that stuff. So like my role is a tour leader. There's other things you can do. You can lead a house and disciple young men or young women all, all year round, basically, as they come and move in into your house that, that you help lead. And then you can also tour lead, which is where you plan um, the outreaches that we do. And so that's part of it. There's also things we do all summer uh, where we organize and, and put on leadership training schools. 
um, for about two weeks, multiple times a summer from Huntington Beach to Dallas, Texas last year. And we, we even do schools in Egypt, which is cool, <laughs> and in, uh, in also Kenya. And then we, we're doing a lot in Burundi, Africa as well. And so God is expanding a lot. And so there's a lot of different roles that are growing constantly and different leadership things and tasks that are being put on and stuff like that to grow. But yeah, it's basically just like you get to, it's, you're a missionary to America, essentially, to like yeah. the hardest parts of America. Um, you get to sign up and to be a missionary, to get trained in it, and then to lead in that. Um, and it's, it's amazing. It's such an amazing wow. opportunity. Mm, but. That's dope. Yeah, guys, check it out. Especially because it's something that I've always been interested and intrigued in because, I mean, I've had talks with Noah a lot. Me and Noah differ a lot on how we um, feel like the Lord has gifted us, which is the beautiful thing, right? Where he's more the pastoral heart that wants to stay in a place for like mm-hmm. a good 40 years or something like that. You know, yeah. not saying that's going to happen, but that's more his heart. Yeah. yeah. Mine is more... I want to just, I'm not going to stay in one place for a long time. Mm-hmm. The longest I'll be somewhere is like three years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. that's where, that's where um, my heart is and just like keep going around. Totally. Um, but dude, going back to like your story, when you, because um, I think people have this misconception of when God calls you to ministry that the next like, I think people understand that it, it will still be hard, mm-hmm. but I think they think that the first like weeks, month, the first year of that is just living in rainbow land or something like you're just like <laughs> on the mountaintop the entire time always hearing the lord's voice and all this stuff um how was it coming to iwu after like receiving that call yeah. and like being obedient to that and then coming here what was that like was it yeah. on the mountaintop or were you like in the middle in the valley you know all those yeah. things yeah honestly it was a, it was all across the board just depending on the moment i would mm. say so so I actually transferred in halfway through my freshman year, right? And so that actually probably produced one of the harder challenges for me. I'm 18. Uh, first year in college, I, I'm transferring this new school where I don't know anyone. I think I ended up knowing two people from like a local high school that I, that I knew growing up that were here. Um, Grant and Colin, Colin Barker, if you remember him. Yeah, so, dude, Colin Barker was a good friend when I when I first got here because right? he had the room I had freshman year. And so I didn't even know that they were here. I literally didn't know a single person that went there until I was moving in the day. And I I, I saw Colin. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I have one friend at least yeah. who's <laughs> kind of a friend. We went to rival high schools and played against each other in sports. <laughs> so as much of a friend you can be. And so what that produced, honestly, for me personally, which honestly, if you don't, if you, I'm not, I wasn't a super, super social person um, at that time in my life. I didn't wasn't extroverted, didn't know how to, how to engage in that. I grew up in like the same communities all year round. So it produced in me a lot of just like, man, I don't have a solid group of friends here. Um, cause they've kind of already formed at that point. Yeah, and I was hard. doing a practicum at my, in my hometown about 40 minutes away. Cause it's the only thing I could figure out in time. And so, um, they allowed me to do that, which I know is usually not the rule. Um, and so they're very gracious. Here. Yes, they are. And so that was amazing. And it helped so much, but at the same time, it, I was home almost every weekend, um, and I, I just, as a normal college student, I took a lot of naps, and so I wasn't super social. And so for me, that just created that, and so I leaned into my friends back home, and what that did is it led me to be, so I loved classes. I loved learning things about the Bible and about God that I had never learned before. Um, so that, for me, was like the mountaintop. I was like, I feel like I'm literally entering a new world where I get to learn. Like, that is the sunshine rain, but I was like, wow. God is amazing. Look at all this cool stuff that I never knew growing up, really diving into the Old Testament and the mm-hmm. New Testament and, and different things like that and theology. I'd never been introduced to theology before here. And now it's like my favorite thing ever. And so that's like the mountaintop. But the honest hard part is that like I I 
didn't find a group of friends here that I connected with. And that's like totally on me, I would say. It's not on like the friends here. And so that led me going back home. My friends back home just were not in the same boat, not on the same path of life at the time. And I still love them. We're still super close. But just at the time that we were in different stages. And so I was kind of like one one foot in one boat and one foot in the other. And it just made a lot of stretching, going through a lot of problems in life and stuff like that. And just a lot of um, struggles that were prolonged because I was feeding off of the mountaintop of growing in my knowledge of the Lord, but my relationship was still probably just as lacking before mm-hmm. I had been called to ministry. And so it created this like dynamic of like, I think I'm doing really well, but in the end, like if I, I didn't even know it, but I wasn't. And so that came to mm-hmm. my sophomore years when that came to like full fruition and like the, the boats just started pulling apart so much that I couldn't stay in them both. And so um, that was probably like one of the harder seasons of my life was me trying to stay in both boats, the one I had come from and the one that God was calling me into being like called to ministry. Um, and it took until um, my, at my, after my sophomore year, that summer, summer ministry teams, God was like, this is what you're doing for like the rest of your life. Like this, like there was mm-hmm. a moment I was praying over and watching ki- like a group of young boys from high school pray over each other. And God, I could just so clearly hear him be like, this is it. Like, this is what wow. you were made for. Like, this is what you're going to see forever. Like, and I was like, wow, like, I want nothing else. I just want mm-hmm. this. And so I was like, I want to get in the, I'm, I'm in your boat, Jesus. And so after that, so like the first year and a half of being called to ministry was probably one of the toughest times on me in my life. Hmm. Um, struggling through like know, knowing things, growing in knowledge, but at the same time, like my relationship with the Lord struggling, figuring out what it means to like, I didn't know anything about like why I was supposed to live a holy life or what holiness was good for. Actually, I just knew it was the right answer and <laughs> and all that stuff that the Lord graciously taught me here and taught me in so many ways. But yeah, so honestly, that first it was, it had its moments where I was like, this is, this is incredible. Um, and, but at the same time, it had moments where I was like, even at times unaware of what I was doing of this, it just wasn't it yet. And so mm-hmm. the Lord still while here graciously enough and protecting me and, and guiding me in his kindness, leading me to repentance essentially, um, brought me into the fullness of what now I would say is, is the best life you could possibly have following Jesus, but it doesn't make it easy. It just no. makes it really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what I, I love, but that's what I would say on that. That's fire. That's fire. Yeah, I something that kind of I don't know. You you loved being in class and learning, which is so funny because when I when I met you, I mean you were an absolute social butterfly. <laughs> like McGarry walks through the halls yeah, I was shocked. and I was literally shocked everybody in campus is like, "Oh, McGarry. <laughs> McGarren. I follow you on TikTok." Oh, McGarren. That happened. That happened yesterday on campus. No, there way. was like um a freshman or sophomore, I'm sure, who was like, "Are you McGarren from TikTok, that's Josh. That's Josh. Oh, yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. But but anyways, (laughs) you loved learning. You loved understanding theology and the Bible and things like that. But I also know that there's also a a huge gap and divide between learning all of that Mm -hmm. and practice, Mm -hmm. right? Ministry teams is kind of like this rude awakening of, oh my gosh, I know these things, but how do I communicate it, right? So I'm actually really curious, how did you translate from what you learned at Indiana Wesleyan yeah. and translate it into not only ministry teams, but also circuit writers, because mm-hmm. I know it's a vast difference and there's different contextualization and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's such a good question. Oh man, that's so, I love that. Cause that's, that's kind of what my passion has grown into now. It's wow. like, oh, like, and it's starting to be formed into that even more. It's like, I do, I have, I love theology. I love going, to, I love like 
those conversations and even the debates and stuff, I'll, I'll stand on both sides and argue the other one. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Sounds um, like you. I do. Yeah. I so do, I just, I do I, the same thing. I love playing that challenging role in conversations just to, to see how people think and stuff like that. So I'm so interested in those types of things. But for, for the beginning years of being called to ministry and even now I'm sure still is like the, it was mainly in my head and I felt good about learning things and knowing them, but I had no idea how they applied. Like, I had no idea how whether you're a Calvinist or Arminius could ever affect your life. You know what I mean? And how that if you, either one, whichever st- choice you're going to stand on, if you are standing on the word of God and, and you're doing it out of the right heart of loving God and loving his people, it's going to produce the same fruit hmm. in your life. Like otherwise, and if it doesn't, then something's off. Like that's kind of what connected to me is like, man, all these theological issues of how are people, like people being saved, total depravity, the gifts, any uh, every debate you could have is like, man, and I, I got so into those debates and learning the insights behind those debates, but I, I think I failed to realize, and honestly, at the cross conference is when I feel like I started to articulate what I felt for the first time. We were there together, Isaac, and it was such a good time, time. such mm-hmm. a good squad um, of guys there, and so, so many good conversations, and I just was like, man, like, Either like both sides are using the Bible to prove their point. Both sides clearly love the Lord, and the I'm I I'm like I'm fine with either one as long as it's producing the same fruit in your life. Like as long as you're still loving the Lord and loving His people and preaching the gospel and and praying for the sick and doing the work of the kingdom. Like then, if you're not, then there's something. And so like for me, I was like, man, if I'm not doing these things, then my my theology isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Mm. Like it's not carrying into my heart, which will carry into my life. And so because if it's not producing, like it can produce fruit in knowledge, but if it's not producing the fruit of the spirit in your life, then it's it's not doing what it's meant to. Like if, if I can learn about Jesus and it, it leaves me unchanged as a person or in my desires to know him, then I'm not, in a way I'm learning more about like a historical character than yeah. I am about like uh, then I'm learning and growing of who Jesus exactly. is that's like the first Corinthians uh 13 you know just love is mm-hmm. like I can prophesy you know I could speak in tongues yeah I could have knowledge of all things but if I do not love I'm nothing I'm exactly. nothing you know if it doesn't affect this at all you're yeah. nothing yeah exactly mm-hmm. and so I would say that that's kind of it for me is like um letting things actually come into life um I've been I've been talking about this with a lot of friends and and the messages that I'm sharing on tour, the way I, I, I want to intro and the way I want to just do everything in life, anytime we talk about the Lord or preach the gospel, is that like it's not meant to be removed from life. I feel like the easy thing to do with theology is remove it from the context of life and just talk about it in the classroom. And we grow a lot in knowledge, but it doesn't, it can, for myself, it doesn't affect my personal life. And so I have to, I'm, I'm learning now through writing through articulating it through studying it through looking at people's lives who I'm like wow they clearly have the fruit of the spirit in their life how do I pull these ethereal things about who God is or how God works into the context of life and let it produce the fruit of the spirit in me because mm-hmm. if it's doing that then I'm becoming more of the image of God every day um, and I do believe that like like I said I love theology I love the questions I love the debates I love the word and what it's but what it's all meant to do is meant to go through you and out into the world mm-hmm. like it's not meant to stay in your head like your knowledge of god and so that's what i would say but it's so hard like i still struggle with it so much being so invested in learning um and stuff like that um and so like while i was here like my as i became more act- outgoing and like a social butterfly i don't think my theology ever impacted it just became about the people and stuff and so they stayed separate but since coming to circuit riders and 
and really interacting with a lot more lost people that don't know Jesus and getting to talk with them or or even like really young Christians that are coming through our discipleship program and and realizing like, okay, like I can tell them all the facts, but if it's not changing them, if it's not doing the work of disciples, if it's not actually mm-hmm. discipling them and mm-hmm. growing them closer to who really who Jesus is and Jesus in their life, then it's almost pointless. You know what I mean? Wow. And so um, that's what I've come to learn. I'm still learning it so much. Um, like I want to start my master's this fall, um, but I'm like, man, I need to be aware of this going into my master's because mm-hmm. I can yeah. grow in knowledge and, and that would be great. And and the thing is, is the tough thing is it can get me a lot in the world. You know what I mean? If I want that, if I want the right degree and the right job and the right people to like give yeah. me some praise for knowing the right things and I can speak wherever, you know what I mean? Type of stuff like that, which is what I th- used to think ministry was about, that I wanted to speak everywhere I could and do all that stuff. I'm realizing now that like, man, it's just all about people's lives because people desperately need to encounter Jesus. And you can learn more and, and grow in that through growing in, in theology and growing in the word and growing in study. But it has to do that. And if it's not, then it's almost like, why have it? Why puff mm. yourself up for a reason? Yeah. But dang, that's so good. We always we always wrestle here too. I mean, you probably knew about it while you were here. The profs talk about, you know, how do you break that barrier of academics and mm. living a practical life for Christ? Because academics is good. Like growing in this, like I've learned some stuff that I'm like, dang, I love that I know that. Yeah. Like it, I remember taking the class Christology last semester with J Money. Dr. Morgan. Oh, gotta love Jonathan Morgan. And Come on. I've never had a theological class impact my relationship with the Lord so much. No kidding. Mm. And That's and it so like good. deepened my love for God and knowing his love for me. Yeah. So like seeing that, I'm like, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm sitting there in class in post-exilic literature with Elaine Bernias and she's wrecking my mind at 9 yeah. 25 in the morning. <laughs> and I go to lunch and want to just read all the scripture that she Come just on. read to us at the lunch table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and so my favorite thing is just seeing people like that are just like recklessly on fire for the Lord. Now, granted, there are some times like it can be harmful to like other people, but somebody who's just like, I've now received freedom. How can mm-hmm. I not do anything about this and not go share it with people? Yeah. You know, I remember a person I, I lived with in Costa Rica. Um, he was like my housemate or whatever. And he was talking about all the things that he was doing, like he's done in his life. Crazy missionary, crazy okay. Bible smuggler in North Korea, South Korea, Dang. China, all these places. That's crazy. And I was like, like, why did you do all that? You know, thinking here would be like, what? How do you know the Lord was calling you to that? He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, like, how did you know the Lord wanted you to go do that? Mm-hmm. He's like, read the word. It tells you to go and do it. Wow. So I went and did it. You know what I mean? That's, nothing, that's nothing crazy. other than that. Where he's like, I've received the freedom. Now I need to go preach the freedom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so many times we take these so unne- unnecessary steps to preach the word. Mm. And now it's become, more, the gospel has become so much more complex in my mind than ever I think was it supposed to be, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I definitely can relate to that because that's kind of like what I'm doing now. So we, we travel to college campuses and we preach with state schools, Christian schools, all in between, and we're preaching the gospel. Like, so I, I, I preach most nights and, the whole point of my message is just see people encounter Jesus. And so I have all this stuff that like, I guess you could say like, I have all this knowledge of Jesus that has formed who I, how much I love him in my back pocket that I can pull out, not like any time, but I can use in the sermon. And so, but at the same time, there's also like the truth of like the simplicity of the word. Yeah. And so it's like what I've come to learn and the best way to think of it is, is 
sticking just to the simplicity of who Jesus is, but at the same time, like he's like he equips the saints for for stuff. And so like he like us growing in the academic side when we're doing it in like a fruitful way. Essentially, in my mind, the best way I can describe it is it's like it's adding tools to our tool belt. Yeah. Because especially in the generation that we're approaching and and the way things are going and the access to all this different information that people have. And like you got, we're just talking on the way in here that podcasts are like growing. And the number two thing that people listen to, right? Yeah. Daily is this reality that people are going to have more and more questions than ever before because they're going to hear more and more stuff Mm -hmm. than ever before. And we have to have something to stand on. Like even growing, one of my favorite things to grow in is like learning about the Bible itself. Like the word yet, like in it, but also like the how it, how we got this book. Yeah. Because that's probably going to be in the future the mm. number one question that people have for Christians. They're not just going to take like, well, it's just the word of God and just believe it. Like, so <laughs> it's like, but the, so learning about like the process of how the Bible was put together and how it was guided by the spirit. And it's like, not my quote, but I think Tim Mackey said like the divine origins of the Bible don't negate the human origins of it, but the human origins don't negate the divine origins. Yeah. And so it's just like perfectly woven together and you can trace the story of it. Like there's no fear in how the Bible was put together. It wasn't this golden tablet dropped from heaven just in an instant. The whole thing's right here. It's this beautiful piece of work and piece of art that God used humans to form. And so like growing in that is so helpful to speak to people who have questions about it and meeting them at their level rather than telling them to like ascend to ours of faith, like, oh, (laughs) just have enough faith that it's God. No, like let's use this this stuff that we know to pull into the context of life and answer questions where mm-hmm. people are at. And so that's one thing I've seen wow. is you encounter so many, like college campuses, especially state schools, you encounter so much. Oh my goodness. Um, and so many different viewpoints yeah. and, and things being preached. And it's, we need, so this, that's why I'm like very passionate. Like, no, 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 no. While at the same time, it's, ne- I've never been more convinced that we need the simplicity of the gospel. I've never been more convinced that we need, not even just the leaders, but every Christian to be getting those tools in their tool belt. And yeah. building that, mm. building that, and becoming and so. It's that yeah. tension, that tension of mm-hmm. right. What we talk about, the academics and the practical aspect, like they have to work hand in hand. Yeah, you know. And I remember in one of our classes, we were we were reading a book, and it talks about like how do we minister to the Western culture. Mm. And Tim Keller has one. His first point is a public apologetic. Mm. He's like they, the the information that people have, seeking facts like from the. Um, modernity era or just the modern era Mm -hmm. of just wanting to know the facts science all these things you have to use reason to prove what you believe and that brought up all these questions Mm -hmm. about god about the bible and all this stuff and now we're moving to post-modernity and it's like Mm -hmm. we do have to here have a public apologetic not that we have to have the answers for everything because there are some things we're not going to be able to but when somebody asks us questions about the bible and other things we need to be people that have that are like literate in yes, the Bible literally. in knowing what it says yeah. and things like that. And so I, I love how you brought that up because yeah. I think it's so important here, especially. Yeah. Even so we, so we work a lot with this. Um, we're a main collaborators at Cirque Riders with this thing called the sin. Um, if you guys have heard of it, it's a gathering, it's changing. Um, you can look it up, but it's all about sending like missionaries going and not just overseas, but like being a missionary to your neighborhood or to your campus or to a nation. Um, and so it's this amazing thing that's been going on for a few years. It's like Francis Chan is like one of the main collaborators and he's just been pioneering it for the past couple of years. Yeah. And it's amazing. There's one in Grand Rapids, I believe, um, this year. So for Iowa people that are close, hey. definitely head up. Hey. Grand Rapids is on fire. <laughs> um, but Andy Bird's like the spearhead of it. He's been leading it for a while. He's a, the head of YOM Kona, I believe. He's a, a legendary missionary, like has done countless different things. And he's like the most 
humble man and he's just incredible. He's one of my main people that I want my life to look like. And he shares the statistics with us all the time. He comes in and helps us and teaches us at Circ Riders. And Gen Z has about, I think, is a 4% biblical worldview. Like 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview, which means that they're probably, like the only max 4% are biblically literate. Because I would say you can probably have a biblical worldview and not quite be biblically literate. Yeah. Biblically literate. Um, but at the same time, when you ask Gen Z, they are the most missional-minded generation ever. They like when you ask them what they want. Like more um, Christians and more people than ever before said that they would say that they they would consider being a missionary as like what they do with their life, which is incredible. It's like sixty percent or it's I don't know the numbers, but the like the they are this is the most mission minded missional organization, justice minded, um, good like helping people. All these different things we can see in the world through Gen Z. They're so passionate about it. Yet they're they're the most biblically illiterate generation. I mean, I, I'm Gen Z as well. So we are the most biblically illiterate generation. And so if we're going to, if we're going to see God move through this, right, um, this, this mission minded Gen Z to see the great commission fulfilled, we have to be biblically literate. Like you can't. And so that's like my passion is like, we can't send out missionaries that aren't, that don't like, that don't know the word. Yeah. And so it's, it, that's, it's the tension. It's everywhere. Um, but I think what God is doing and it's a whole nother podcast, I would say. But God is raising up like young men and, and young women, like guys like you, um, I want to be one, like that are this new breed of leaders in the church, of teachers of the word, where he's equipping us with so much because, and it comes from a lot of different places of, of one, of having more resources, more access to the greatest Bible teachers ever of all time. You know what I mean? And we can pull from anyone. Like I imagine like 40 years ago, you either had to go to seminary or you just went to your local church every Sunday and you just heard your pastor preaching. And that's all you were taught and that's all you knew except for your own study of the word or whatever you wanted to get yeah. you want. But now there's this access to a whole new world where I can hear the best Arminius scholar, I can hear the best Calvinist scholar, I can hear the best charismatic scholar, the best reformer scholar. I can listen to John MacArthur. I can listen to John Mark Comer. I can listen to Tim Mackey. I can listen to whoever and, and Francis Chan. And I can learn from this whole, the whole body, like I have access to the whole body of Christ and teachers of like never before. And it's forming for those who are willing to undergo the task of becoming these new leaders for the church that are going to be equipped on every side of the ball, like and ready to just go to war against all the different things that the enemy is going to try and battle against and be so equipped. And not that leaders haven't before, but I think it's just, we're going to see a generation of leaders rise up that are so full of spirit and truth like never before yeah like the the question of like are you more of a spirit guy or more of a truth guy <laughs> that like we kind of can yeah. feel the tension and yeah. yeah i think it's gonna go away i think it's gonna every i think every leader in the church like that is gonna just wage war on the kingdom of darkness is, is gonna be so full of spirit and so full of truth um that it's like just creates this this new breed this unstoppable thing and, and maybe it's just my, i'm just young and i'm saying that and and it's just prideful to say that but i really do think he's raising up um just a generation of leaders in the church that um, don't even all have to be pastors, don't have to be all be anything like that, but are just like he's just equipping the saints for what what is coming in a way I feel like that um maybe we haven't seen before. Um, Dude. through and that's the wow. beauty of the internet. That's and so he's using it for his good and and so yeah, I think it's just really cool because if we're going to capitalize and we're going to see God move through the most missional minded organization ever, he needs to raise up people who are going to teach this generation. And this generation isn't super interested in learning from older generations or, or the experts, they want to hear their peers. They want to hear yeah. people a little bit, a little bit older 
tell them what they've found and, and show them how they found it, not just tell them the answers. And so those leaders are, are rising up in the church today. It's it's guys like you. It's guys all across. They're everywhere, and they're all throughout this university. They're all throughout circuit riders, and it's really cool to see. But because we can't send out, if we want to send out the most missionaries we've ever sent out, we they have to be trained up. They have yeah. to be equipped and stuff. And so it's just a perfect dynamic and an example of that whole um, the balance of things. Because if we yeah. just send them out, we're like, oh, amazing. They want to be missionaries. Let's just get them. On, let's just give them the the five points of the gospel. Get them on the road, and they know it, and that's great. Like that's that's a it's missing a lot. That's like something I've been trying to like wrestle with is like, we don't want to mass produce a message that wasn't meant to be mass produced. Like we don't want to just like give out like this broad, like just here's the facts. And because the gospel was meant to penetrate every piece of your life, every part of your being and transform you. And like, that's what will affect the world and change wow. the world. And so that only comes through when both of those things are, are together. Cause um, yeah, it's just the work of the Holy spirit and but partnering with him like yeah and so that's why he that's why he gave us all of our like you said all of our brains all of our all this stuff to to become more of the image of him mm. and show the world who god is through boom. that stuff and so boom that's yeah. so good bro that's so yeah. good this has been this has been a delight for me yeah it, the wisdom and encouragement and experience you have just oozing out of you doesn't even i don't even need to ask like oh if you had like a piece of advice like <laughs> that was the, the piece the, of all, advice right all there. of it was <laughs> Yeah, so, McGarry, thank you so thank much you for spending time with us. I know you've got a busy schedule that you're tired. You're going <laughs> from place to place. But it means a lot that you spend time yeah. and all the hiccups that have happened mm -hmm. or will happen. It's, it's, it's all just happy little yeah. accidents, as Bob mm -hmm. Ross would say, right? Come Disturbances on. that are <laughs> so good. for the kingdom. So, thank you, guys. For those that are listening, stay tuned. We have more. Uh, McGarren, I hope it all goes well for your writers. Now you continue to see God move in, in incredible Come ways. On. So. Yeah, we'll see you guys awesome. soon. Adios. Adios. We'd also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank the Call Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Call Collective. Thanks for listening again and taking time in your day to have the chance to be formed by the conversations we have over coffee. See you guys next week.